Howdy, 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 fans, and welcome to the nuts and volts of pro wrestling. I am your host, T. Volts, and yes, that was the Highway to Hell song you heard at the opening. And how apropos that this is the Hamen Media debut of the nuts and volts. I know what you must be thinking. He is going to hell. That's why he chose the Highway to Hell theme, because he has joined the Hamming Media Group. Well, that is not exactly entirely correct. You see, if I'm going to be doing this, I might as well get as many ears on the product as possible. Now, that song is just coincidental. That is the 1998 SummerSlam opening, and I chose that because that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. I'm going to be giving you the nuts and volts of Triple H versus The Rock in a ladder match for the WWF Intercontinental title. But before we get to that, we have a few things else to discuss and no it is not more about lonesome dove because you guessed it i have not gotten any further in it and i'll tell you why it was been sitting by my easy chair in the living room recently uh, along with a couple other books when uh, a young the the youngest member of my family had a bit of a milk spillage well you can imagine the horror in my eyes and my heart when I saw this milk spillage going on by my beloved Lonesome Dove. Needless to say, I was not in too big of a rush and I did not cry over spilled milk. But not to worry, the milk got cleaned up and Lonesome Dove did not get a scratch on it, but that did not cause me to read more of it. I will get to it someday. Enough about that. How about this SummerSlam 1998 card? And I thought we'd go over that here in a minute, but before we get to that, I thought it would be helpful to compare things between now and then. And then I got to thinking, you know what? I don't want to just do that for every show that I happen to be reviewing. So as far as comparing now to then, I'm going to go ahead and review a different time period in wrestling. Yes, part of which is going to be from uh, now, and that would be the PWI, the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Top 10. And now we're going to go with overall, and I thought, why not go back to another stellar time in professional wrestling? And did I say another stellar time? Yes, I did, because like it or not, the business is booming. They say that it's never been a better time to be a wrestling fan than it is right now in 2018. Well, the numbers would agree with that. It is a great time. But I'm going to one-up that and say I can think of another time when it was great time to be a professional wrestling fan. And that was 1984. What a year 1984 was. All the promotions were firing on all the cylinders. So I decided to look at the September 1984 NWA Top 10 Rankings according to Pro Wrestling Illustrated with the permission of the very kind Stu Sachs. So let's compare the current PWI rankings overall with the NWA 
September 1984. Oh, I'm sorry. This isn't the NWA. Excuse me. I have my records mixed up here. This is the overall rankings for both now and September 1984. Let's get right into it here. Number 10 currently is Ricochet. Number 10 in 1984, Rick Martel. Who do you think wins in their prime? Rick Martel versus Ricochet. Number 9, Austin Aries. Number 9 in 1984, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Number 8, Tomasa Ciampa. Number 8 in 1984, Carlos Colon. I think I know who I'd go with in that one. Number 7, Shinsuke Nakamura. Number 7 in 1984, Kerry Von Erich. Number 6, Jay Lethal. Number 6 in 1984, Dusty Rhodes. Number 5, Seth Rollins. Number 5 in 1984, Harley Race. Number 4, Braun Strowman. Number 4 in 1984, Hulk Hogan. Number 3, Kenny Omega. Number 3 in 1984, Jumbo Truzza. Number 2, Roman Reigns. Number 2 in 1984, Andre the Giant. How many fans would like to see Andre the Giant squashing Roman Reigns right now? And number one in the current overall rankings, according to PWI, AJ Styles. And number one in September of 1984, overall, according to Pro Wrestling Illustrated, Nature Boy, Ric Flair. What does that tell you, or what do you think, when you compare those two top tens? Do today's superstars stand a chance? And if they don't, why is that? What do you think the difference is? They're certainly better athletes nowadays. They're certainly doing uh, uh, more elaborate things nowadays. But are they the long-lasting characters that we remember? Are they these tough, brawling men of yesteryear? Who's better, 1984 or 2018? Just a little fodder for thought, a little food for thought, if you will. But enough about that. I think we should get to that SummerSlam 1998 card. Our opening match featured D'Lo Brown taking on Val Venus. Then we had the Giants Silva and Golga and Kurgan, remember them? Taking on Dick Togo, you heard me right. Men's Tijo, Sho Funaki, and Taka Mishinoko. I'm known for my foreign accent. After that, we had X-Pac taking on Jeff Jarrett. Edge and Sable taking on Jacqueline and Mark Merrill. Ken Shamrock in a Lion's Den match with Owen Hart. I'm sure you remember that one. And a tag team championship match between, why well, was a handicap match, as Billy Gunn and the Road Dog took on Mankind. The main event, of course, that they were publicizing in that opening intro that you heard was Steve Austin going into hell versus The Undertaker. And that was for the WWF World's Heavyweight title. But today we are talking the Intercontinental title, and this took place in a ladder match between Triple H and The Rock. Two guys that really could still go to this day. I know Triple H is going to be going against The Undertaker, believe, believe it or not, coming up in the Super Showdown in Australia. But enough about that. We'll be back in a minute and get right into it. 
Riddle the Croc just came from the bathroom. Croc. And you should have smelled what the rock was cooking. <laughs> oh. When it comes to the croc and the ladies, and the croc hits rock bottom, he has no choice but to lay that smack down on himself. <laughs> you hear that? The brother smacks himself down. Oh, look at me, though. You know something, Mark Henry? <laughs> me is Mark Henry. <laughs> right. All right, well, once again, we are going to talk about the Intercontinental title match from SummerSlam 1998 between The Rock and Triple H. Now, I'm not one to tell you where you want to watch this video at. Some of you may be watching it on a DVD, maybe even a Blu-ray, maybe uh, YouTube or the WWE Network, available for only $9.99 a month, or... Who knows, some of you may actually be watching it on VHS. And if you ever have a chance to watch any wrestling-related content on VHS, please do so. There's just something very nostalgic about it. Plus, you don't have to worry about things being dubbed in or uh, maybe uh, written over with WWE's own version of history. But anyways, uh, at the intro, we, of course, see Mark Henry walking in the rock. And, of course, we, this is during the DX era of Triple H. We'll talk about that probably during the matchup here. But we're going to pick up right where the referee is having a Broadway with the championship belt, getting it on the hook for the ladder match. Now, by Broadway, I mean he is taking forever. I mean, this thing is drawing. He is drawing it out like no other. I haven't seen a Broadway like that since a friend of mine was having a heck of a time maneuvering through a piece of extra cheesy pizza uh, on one New Year's Eve party. But enough about that. Let's go ahead and start the match up here. And we see the belt finally getting raised up in the ceiling here. And uh, The Rock uh, was definitely in his prime here, as was Triple H. Well, it's debatable if Triple H was in his prime here or not, but he was definitely ascending. Now, this was when Triple H wore the long tights and the rock of course in his traditional garb and the rock talking a lot of smack uh, these guys are very much uh, rookies at this time believe it or not uh, rookies by WWF standards but uh, there's definitely showing that they have a lot of abilities here already and should be noted that China is ringside as well as a lot of photographers which was unusual because a lot of times WWF did not allow so many photographers around the ringside area unless it was their own and I believe I see the legendary Bill Apter ringside for this one so this was definitely during a period where the WWF was allowing such people ringside so good to see Bill Apter there and hey if you get a chance check out his podcast the Apter chat and of course you can find out all about that on the Twitter if you're following it at the Apter chat or Bill Apter himself is at Apter One Wrestling but uh, this was you know these guys were young upstarts are considered young upstarts at the time. Uh, the Rock during this time period after he lost the Intercontinental Championship to Owen Hart on, uh, let's see, I believe it was Raw's War in April of 97, and he suffered that legitimate knee injury in that match against Mankind. He returned in August of that year, and that's when he turned heel and joined Farouk and D'Lo Brown and Kama in that stable, the Nation of Domination. And it was during that time that he refused to acknowledge the Rocky Maivia name. 
And that's when he started to refer to himself in the third person as the Rock. Uh, though uh, he'd still be billed as Rocky Maivia until around this time, 1998. But as the Rock, he insulted audience in his promos as well as the television uh, interviewers. Uh, he had all kinds of names for all kinds of interviewees. We uh, remember all the stuff with the coach. I wish the coach had stayed back then because, quite frankly, I'll take Renee Young over the coach any day. I remember him calling Kevin Kelly an ugly hermaphrodite. Certainly not language that you would hear in this day and age, unless it came from The Rock, because he would probably get away from it. But these two are battling up and down the ringside. They're certainly not getting in any hurry. Uh, they know that this cannot just be a typical wrestling match. This is, after all, a ladder match. And I'm sure that Triple H wanted to do the ladder match justice after his good friend Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart had made it so famous at WrestleMania 12. Anyways, back to The Rock at, Gen at uh, the G-Generation X in your house. Uh, Austin defeated The Rock in just under six minutes to retain that IC title. But the next night on Raw, Austin was ordered by McMahon to defend the title in a rematch and ended up forfeiting to The Rock instead and handing the title belt before hitting him with the Stone Cold Stunner, of course. Now The Rock feuded with Austin and Ken Shamrock through the end of 97 and just the beginning of the following year, which is the year we're on now. And that's when The Rock uh, debuted that new IC title that we see in this match. And that was used uh, to represent the title going forward. Um, the Rock eventually did overthrow Farouk as a leader of the Nation of Domination. And it sparked a feud between the two briefly, but it didn't do Farouk any favors. Rock was definitely the bigger of the two stars. And that pains me to say because I was a big fan of Ron Simmons during his WCW title run but he was uh he was in wcw quite a while he was actually in jim crockett promotions at one time but anyways the rock ended up feuding rock and the nation feuded with the triple h and his team the g generation x they uh made fun of each other in various vignettes which was pretty humorous as the rock is uh, the first one to grab the ladder here in this ladder match he has beat down triple h outside the ring and is getting the ladder set up against the ringside. And Triple H fires back just enough to keep the action going. So they tease the ladder. The Rock teased the ladder for just a brief moment. And then they got back into fisticuffs with Triple H. And looks like, oh, there's the first offense as the Rock whipped Triple H into the ladder and then hit him with a clothesline, knocking him down. So they tease the ladder just enough to get the crowd up a little bit. As we see the famous fan, Vladimir, ringside. And then we saw the first offense with the ladder. Now it's very important they don't just go into some huge spot with the ladder right away because then where do you go from there? You want to build to it, which is what they did here. They just started out by teasing the ladder briefly and then just throwing a guy into it. Nothing massive. Not that Triple H is known for taking huge risks. He's a very uh, deliberate performer, very old school. Uh, there's a reason they call him the cerebral, excuse me, the easy for, easy for me to say, the cerebral assassin. <laughs> cerebral. I cannot say cerebral. Anyways, uh, as Triple H is climbing the rope to knock down because The Rock was climbing, starting to ascend the ladder. He only got a couple steps. Now, when you're watching these ladder matches, it can be a little hard to understand why people are climbing that ladder so slow. But in reality, you would be climbing it very slow if you're in a ring that moves around as much as rings do. 
but it definitely looks like they're stalling when they climb the rope, but that's a little bit of salesmanship also uh, because you can't just get on and climb right up and the match would be over. Otherwise, why would you have one? But they're just starting to involve the ladder in this matchup as Triple H gave basically what is more or less a clothesline to the rock with the ladder. Now, Triple H during this time, uh, he had been highlighted in 1997 when he won the King of the Ring tournament by defeating Mankind, and we know who that was. So, you know, we know what happened after that, after the, uh, the, uh, <laughs> when they all got together in the ring. I don't know why I can't think of it right now, but he was punished after, after a while after that. But then, of course, uh, Shawn Michaels would end up eventually retiring, and Triple H would start his own version of D-Generation X. And that D-Generation X would, of course, t uh, feud with the Nation of Domination, as we talked about. Um, Triple H uh, was pretty much earmarked early on that he was really going to be something. Uh, he began to train in 92, of course, at Killer Kowalski School in Massachusetts. Again, easy for me to say. Uh, some other notable people in his class were China and Perry Saturn, two people we certainly know about. China is ringside for this matchup, so that's how they got to know and uh, each other. And he made his debut in the spring of 92 and then, uh, you know, started uh, getting his licks in the ring and getting some much-needed uh, experience. As we see uh, these guys still battling on the ring, they're not, not doing anything too extreme. The Rock is extremely charismatic in just about every move we can make. But anyways, back to Triple H, or Paul Liveskew, as he was known back then. Uh, in early 94, he signed a one-year contract with WCW, and he debuted as Terror Rising, of course. He defeated a guy named Keith Cole, if you can remember the Cole brothers. Uh, he certainly, uh, after that, he became a, suddenly had a French accent. And then he started using a pedigree way back then. Uh, he had a brief feud with Alex Wright. And, of course, you can figure out who won that one. And he ended up teaming with Steve Regal. And then he would eventually take off to the WWF in 95 because WCW just wasn't going to promote him at the time, and he's a climber. Or as they would say in The Departed, he's a walker. I'm known for my Boston accent. As we see some more chicanery or some more weaponry being brought in the ring here, we have now Triple H down on the mat with his leg between a ladder, and The Rock is hitting him with a steel chair. Uh, Triple H really throwing and thrashing his body around in pain as anyone would with their leg getting smashed between the rungs or the, between the two sides of a ladder. He has managed to get his leg out of it as China looks on in absolute disgust and the rock is going to continue to work that leg now so there 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 it does make sense what the rock is going after at this point he's going after the leg which adds to the story therefore Triple H won't be able to climb the ladder as much so some good storytelling here by the rock and Triple H or the agent or whoever put together this matchup but the rock is going to continue to work on this as the Rock is setting up the ladder between the ring steps and the barricade wall like a bridge. 
Uh, this was 1998. These things were still going on. And Triple H is going to use it to pick up Triple H and drop his leg onto the ladder. Therefore, still working on the ladder as, once again, we see the psychotic fan, Vladimir, who was always in tremendous shape in a wife-beater shirt. Can we say wife-beater 1998? I hope so, because I already did it. <coughs> of course, uh, Triple H had had a run with the Intercontinental title from 95, in between 95 and 97. Um, he was pretty good Intercontinental Championship, or, or champion, which is what he would feud for in the early days of his feud with The Rock. And that's what I really like about this feud between these two is it started early. This is around the infinite, or the beginning stages of their feud when they're both uh, young in their careers and then they would revisit it over the world title later on. And that's a match that I think a lot of fans are still left wanting to see one more time. Perhaps at WrestleMania would be a good time. But The Rock is such a movie star, I don't know if uh, we'll ever see that or not. Uh, the Rock, of course, um, he started, uh, of course, after his family. We all, uh, much is publicized about The Rock's family. We don't have to talk about too much of that. But... Uh, Pat Patterson got him several tryout matches with the WWF in 96. Uh, he was using his real name at the time. Uh, he went against the likes of the Brooklyn Brawler, Chris Candido, even Owen Hart. And it was at Jerry Lawler's USWA where he would become Flex Cavana. That's when I first started reading about him in the likes of PWI Magazine or The Wrestler. He even won the USWA World Tag Team Championship twice in the summer of 96, and then he signed with the WWF. Uh, of course, he got some additional trade along the way from Dr. Tom Pritchard, along with a few others. Even Mark Henry had a hand in it, believe it or not. As we see more action outside the ring, they continue to battle over that ladder, still not using it too much at this point. And we're going to see a... Oh, and a monkey flip version of the monkey flip into the ladder as Triple H is selling it big. Now this is a little bit of overselling because Triple H was kind of stumbling around and then he fell himself, by himself, on the corner of the announcer's desk and sold that too. That was a little bit uh, too much, certainly something he wouldn't do a little bit later on in his career. Now The Rock also had a couple uh, intercontinental title reigns in his time uh, leading up to this, and that's why this was such a good feud against each other. And, of course, we talked about uh, he would eventually join the Nation of Domination. So, uh, and we know where he'd go from there. He would become the most electrifying man in sports entertainment and all that. As this match continues, we are seeing... Oh, they decided to show a replay of Triple H falling down on his own and hitting that desk. But uh, they continue to battle back now. They're back down in the aisle. And as you can see, these fans are ravenous. And uh, fans today are ravenous, but they're ravenous in another way. I know most people describe it as they're trying to get themselves over. I don't know if that's the case or if they're just not as entertained as they should be watching the product. So I guess maybe it's a little bit of both. Maybe the fans aren't the same type fans as they once were, and or they're not as entertained as they once were. What says you? 
Uh, if you want to let me know if you have any feedback on any of this, you can reach me on the Twitter. I am at PW Paper Champion. Of course, our Facebook page is facebook.com slash PW Paper Champion. As we see the double feature replay showing Triple H getting backdropped onto the ladder as the very jacked China checks on her man, Triple H. And now Mark Henry, who is still ringside wearing a sweater vest of all things. And this is not a good time to wear a sweater vest. Quite frankly, I have never run into a time where it's a good idea to wear a sweater vest. Uh, I don't care for them on females. I don't care for them on males. I don't care for them on a mannequin. Uh, not that I pay attention to a lot of mannequins. But sweater vests just don't have a place in my life. So... If you're a fan of being of wearing a sweater vest, well, okay, maybe I'm the one wrong, but in this case, I don't care if I'm the only one wrong. I don't mind being wrong. I don't want to be right, or however that saying goes. Uh, Triple H is trying to get back into the ring, but Mark Henry pulls on his leg to stop him, and China takes care of that and decks sexual chocolate in the face, knocking him to the ground as we see The Rock ascending the ladder, it's just at his fingertips, and Triple H comes and pushes it down. Uh, Rewatching ladder matches is never quite the same as watching them live because, uh, well, obviously anything that's already been seen and is not live can be predictable if you know the finish, of course. But the very slow climb of the ladder is even more pronounced, as we, as I can see Bill Apter once again talking with some of his colleagues as he continues to take picture, and Bill, being the nice man that he is, is wearing a WWF t-shirt. Nice of Bill to support the company that let him in for this show to take pictures. As we see, Triple H now has the upper hand, but he is selling the fact that he has been through a war at this point by moving very slowly. Now, what you may not know is when you are in an actual match, your adrenaline is going so much that it's not a whole lot, it's not much pain that you feel. Uh, and as I say pain, we see the rock is now busted wide open. Uh, looks like he got a significant cut just above the eyebrow line. Anyways, uh, during the match itself, as much as uh, it would appear that these guys are in great pain, your adrenaline is such that you don't feel it until... Uh, quite a while after the show and you come down or the next day and you start to feel it. That's why they always say time off is a wrestler's worst enemy because that's uh, if unless you're doing it all the time, your body has time to live normally and then you feel all those bumps and bruises. But if you're doing it all the time, your body just gets conditioned to it. As we see Triple H getting knocked off the ladder by the now bloody faced The Rock. Ah, where were we? Uh, I don't remember. Oh, yes, you don't feel as much in the ring because of your adrenaline. So since you don't feel it as much, you have to sell the fact that you're being hit, that you're being slammed down on the ground, and you're doing these all these moves that do actually hurt, and bodies are just not meant to do. They're not meant to land repeatedly like that. So you have to consciously tell yourself, slow down. A lot of inexperienced wrestlers move too fast and that's not that's uh, i'm not i'm not talking now this isn't a diss on current product where 
because the action is definitely a lot more fast-paced nowadays. I'm just saying sometimes people get in such a hurry because of their inexperience. You have to sell things and let them uh, sink in. The crowd has to have time to digest what they just saw, even in this fast-paced world. And it can work. It can work if done properly. It gives a chance to go, ooh, ah, and then build that anticipation. Like right now in the ring, we have both The Rock and Triple H down on the mat. And while they're doing this, the crowd is getting antsy. That's what you want. The crowd is getting excited. They want to cheer as someone slowly rises to their feet. But if they're never given a chance to do that, they're never going to cheer that. And so you just have to keep doing these big moves to continually get any kind of reaction out of the crowd. And that's when the crowd is owning you. It's like uh, wag the dog. Instead of the dog wagging the tail, the tail's wagging the dog. The crowd is dictating the matches by people saying, oh, I'm afraid they're not making a pop noise right now, so I'm going to do a big move to get a pop or a crowd reaction. When in reality, they don't constantly have to be screaming at the top of their lungs. You can take them on that roller, co roller coaster ride of emotions by selling by taking your time and slowing down. Right now we see Triple H and The Rock trading blows on the second or third rung of the, of the ladder. So they had the crowd uh, building anticipation as they are both down and then they worked up to what we would call a spot, which was uh, they both ended up falling off. The Rock won the, the fist battle, knocking down the Triple H, but then The Rock fell over off the ladder and clotheslined himself or hot-shotted himself on the top rope as Mark Henry is trying to cheer on the rock and, and China is trying to hand a chair and is handing a chair to Triple H. Now the rock is slowly trying to get the position, the ladder. Uh, he's, he's losing significant blood and everybody's involved in the storyline. The announcers, of course, Jim Ross, is selling the fact that The Rock is tired, that he is uh, bloody, and he holds up the ladder as if to hit Triple H, but Triple H beats him to the punch and hits the ladder, which then hits The Rock and falls on him, and he's continuing to pound on the ladder with The Rock underneath it. He is pounding on that ladder with that steel chair, but then exhausted himself from this battle they've been in, he falls to the mat as well allowing the crowd to digest what they just saw with the latter spot and to sell the fact that these two by now at this point have been in an absolute war. Uh, when it's all said and done this match goes 26 minutes and one second. So uh, they should be acting this way at this point during the match. Uh, Triple H, the defending title holder and the challenger, The Rock. Now The Rock has now picked up Triple H and body slammed him down onto the ladder and it looks like we're going to see the people's elbow. He has whipped off his elbow pad and now he's hitting the ropes and he hits it. He has hit the maneuver. I thought maybe Triple H would move out of the way and The Rock would hit his funny bone on the ladder. That did not happen. He did score with the people's elbow. And uh, once again, now that I've noticed Bill Apter out there, it seems like every shot I see Bill Apter in there with his... Uh, that was in the early stages of his now famous comb-over. Triple H is trying to get up, but The Rock 
Since he just delivered that maneuver, he gets up first, and he is going back to positioning this ladder in the middle of the ring. Oh, they're both to the feet. And, oh, a low blow by Triple H. A low blow. So, he being the bad guy of the match, kicked the Rock with a low blow and is now ascending the ladder. Now, the Rock, so this is where they're showing a little bit of inexperience, did not sell the fact that he just got kicked in the privates. I don't know about you, but if you've ever been kicked in the privates, you're going to sell it for more than just a few seconds. And this has led to a rock bottom by the rock. And now, now they're selling. Both men are on their back. Now their natural reaction is to hurry up and do something else. So they should be right now consciously telling themselves, just wait, just wait, just wait, wait, let it build, let it build. You just took a rock bottom. Triple H is still doing that. The Rocks and C delivering the maneuver is now on his feet and has on the first rung of the ladder, which is now positioned just about dead square center of the ring. He is slowly climbing the ladder. Triple H is still on his back. He has rolled over to the side of the ring where China <clears throat> is trying to egg him on to get up. He is slowly stirring. He is now crawling towards the ladder. He is reaching out towards the rock, but the rock is out of range at this point because he's on the third rung. And he, Triple H gets up a little bit more only to meet the boot of the rock in his face. Knocks him down a little bit, takes another step up, and oh, we see a smile from the rock. And by smile, I mean his butt was showing because Triple H has pulled his shorts down. The rock falls down, catches a boot by Triple H and pedigree. Triple H has pedigreed the rock. The crowd is on their feet once again in anticipation of what or what will happen. Now it's the rock who is flat on his back. It's the rock who is selling this finishing maneuver that he has just received. Remember, oh, Mark Henry came out of nowhere with powder. You talk about old school. Powder to the face. He just threw powder a la Mr. Fuji in the face of Triple H. Now Triple H is on his feet, but he is blinded. The rock is starting to stir after that pedigree. And it, for, I'm not sure why, but Triple H is still climbing the ladder. He's supposed to be blind, but he is now climbing the ladder. Uh, apparently this was not the blinding powder. Apparently they did not go to Mr. Fuji for this powder because uh, that blinded him for about two seconds. Now they are both on the rungs of the ladder, battling each other again. And The Rock looks like he's about to get the belt. And China is now in the ring and low, low blows, excuse me, The Rock. This is now the second low blow. Now normally you don't see more than one low blow in a match, let alone even on a card. Uh, successful promoters or people running the show will look up and down and they'll say, okay, uh, the third match, they're doing a low blow, so no one else is allowed to use a low blow. But, once again, Triple H has won it. Triple H has won it. Once again, The Rock did not sell the nut shot very well, but it was he did not get up fast enough, and Triple H has won the Intercontinental title. I, had that, I said that wrong earlier. He was the challenger. The Rock was the incumbent champion. That is no longer the case, as with China's help, Triple H... <coughs> excuse me, he is your new Intercontinental Champion as DX is now coming in the ring to celebrate and Triple H is well on his way 
to bigger and better things in the World Wrestling Federation as we see X-Pac in the ring now and Billy Gunn and his tag team championship partner, the road dog, Jesse James. And they just won that tag team championship earlier in that handicap match with Mankind. So champions all around here. Uh, well, of course, uh, X-Pac was not a champion at this time, but he did come out victorious in that hair versus hair match earlier on the card with Jeff Jarrett. So that does it for Triple H versus The Rock for the Intercontinental Championship at SummerSlam 19. 88. <sighs> I'll tell you what, that match was just about as good as I remember it. Uh, it's not quite as good as I remember it because, quite frankly, I know who wins. It's never going to be as good as the first time you saw it. Uh, just like Razor Ramon versus Shawn Michaels and uh, WrestleMania 10. I know I said, uh, I, I said Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 12. That was an Iron Man match, excuse me. Uh, I was thinking of different ladder matches in Calgary with Bret Hart. But the famous ladder match, of course, was at WrestleMania 10 between Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon. And it's heralded as maybe perhaps the greatest ladder match of all time. But you go back and watch it now, after everything we've seen, it's not quite as great as you remember it. But at the time, it was absolutely tremendous, as was this match between Triple H and The Rock. It was absolutely tremendous. And quite frankly... I think it was the best match on the card. Steve Austin and The Undertaker, uh, two huge, iconic stars in wrestling history, but for whatever reason, they never quite had the chemistry that I like to see in a match. But I'm running a little bit long on time, so I'm going to head out, guys. Again, check out uh, our friend at The After Chat on Twitter. You can check me out at PW Paper Champion, and check out the Pro Wrestling Reflections podcast as well. And you can find out all about them on the Twitter at prreflections.com. No, there's no .com on Twitter. But that's it for me, guys. Until next time, I'm T. Voltz, signing off. Ace was born to race, he had a mean street two feet wide. A son of a gun with a taste for fun and more than his share of pride. Take a dirt road curve with the devil's nerve, make a car dance across the mud. Hollin' shine was his regular line till the track got in his blood. It was a real hot shot and he bragged a lot, but man, that fool could drive. Cause he loved the feel of the steering wheel and the girls with the bedroom eyes. And in a racing tide or a barroom fight, old Stroker stole the show. A backstretch blazer, a real hell razor, and a racetrack Romeo. Mama, lock your daughters up, that's why bunch is back in town. And them little girls get frisky when they hear that race car sound. They're bringing out the yellow flag, somebody's brakes have failed. There's a 